Hello there. Hi. Hi. This is Jessica. I I'm Spencer. This is DNF. We talk about F1. And I am sort of thrilled to say we made it. We did it. We made it. Wait, did the F win? The F is still one. Okay. That's yeah. good. The I'm F. Glad. The F is a P1, if that makes <laughs> any sense. It doesn't. It really doesn't. F's in the chat for that joke. We did it. We got through this entire F1 season, our first. And a, a very long, a longer season than I think people anticipate because we spaced things out. But man, March to November, a sizable. Oof. I, it, was the long, it was the longest season in F1 history, Spencer. Yeah. And is going to be even longer next season actually that might not be true last season might have been i i don't know i can't remember but next season is going to be even longer though because they're adding races and so more f1 to look forward to next season certainly and this will be our last show maybe for a few weeks we'll maybe have some off-season planning things but before we get to all of that we should probably talk about the grand finale yeah i, I think it's interesting that people got to start on pre-show racing or, or pre-season racing uh, a good four months ahead of time, five months <laughs> ahead of time. That That's what this felt like. That's what the Abu Dhabi yeah. race felt like. Uh, because this just sort of felt like um, everybody going out, getting a couple of laps. Yes. Yeah. A couple of interesting things. But, you know, when... I don't want to say that there wasn't uh, intensity because Charles Leclerc got out of his car after his finish at, at P2 and said, you know, I had to give 110% intensity. He looked genuinely drained. But when even Mick Schumacher and Nicholas Latifi, in his final race <laughs> uh, as an F1 driver this turnaround, he, uh, when they do a synchronized spin ever so gently cute. into the wall. I liked it. But then they continue racing. Like, that to me is indicative of what you say. Well, what was the Abu Dhabi race? You go, At practice. Oh. Yeah, felt, it felt know. like very, very intense practice. I think the two big storylines going into the race were obviously the second place battle mm -hmm. between Perez and Leclerc. And there were a couple other drivers that could have possibly stolen that spot away. But those two seemed like the most likely to get second in the driver's championship. And then Sebastian Vettel's last race in Formula One. He's raced 299. He started 299 races, which seems like, ooh, we couldn't have just... Waited one more, made it a nice round number, but that's fine. Maybe he'll be back next year to fill in for someone. There are obviously hints that maybe he'll return to at some capacity in racing, but maybe not an F1. Who mm -hmm. knows? But those were kind of the two main things going into the weekend. I think one of those things ended in a pretty dramatic fashion and the other not so much. So why don't we, I guess, maybe first talk about Charles Leclerc and Sergio Perez and that battle spencer what did you think of the way that that finished today that for all of my just saying that this was casual I, I don't think it's casual for the people fighting for second third fourth i think they uh i think they were they were gunning and doing actual work there and uh to me this is what i want to see next season right like this is what i hope to see next season is I hope to see more of this. I hope to see more head-to-head, down-the-ballot kind of fight infighting and fighting all the way down. Notice I said infighting because Mercedes <laughs> is right there and, and Red Bull is right there 
And apparently, for the moment, the most harmonious among the three major teams is uh, Ferrari, which sounds weird. That's only for the drivers. We'll get to that. There's a little bit of uh, there's a little bit of controversy in mm-hmm. the garage, or or no controversy if you listen to what they say. All we have no comments on those things. Uh, yeah, all of these teams' PR is tremendous. Like from Red Bull straight up posting a statement that had a lie in it, an easily mm-hmm. easily disprovable lie in it to Ferrari. What's the word I'm looking for? Disputing a, a report that then turned out to be true like three days later that everyone mm-hmm. was going to find out was true eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Spencer, the PR machines behind these teams, sometimes I'm like, ah, man, what are, what are we doing, guys? That stuff, it's out there. <laughs> what are we doing? We should have those jobs. Like, <laughs> what are you going to do? Well, I'm just going to lie. Lie. Just going to make a crazy half lie and dare you to catch up because we have a race next week and something else will happen and you'll forget i said it exactly it's like they all have mike mcclintock from veep running their pr department (laughs) (laughs) just on the fly just keep talking just keep talking it's fine but i i loved i i did love that like in a race where i don't feel like much actually happened then i do love the idea that red bull and ferrari with the results decided we're still going at it, um, which next year, if we can get that Mercedes and with McLaren nipping at someone's heels, I'm fine with that. Like that, that to me would be the most compelling season that we've had in terms of a team dynamic in a really long time. Yeah, I think Red Bull made the last couple of races interesting with the second place debacle because mm-hmm. Sergio Perez lost out on second place by three points. If he had mm. gotten the spot ahead of Max last weekend, I think he still would have lost second place if the finish had been the exact same this weekend. And obviously, we don't know if they race differently knowing you know, he's ahead of Leclerc or not. I I don't really, you know, it's butterfly effect, whatever. But Mm -hmm. he did end up not getting second place, which he was in a good position to get in last week's race coming into this week. Um, So I think there's, he's probably a little bummed out by that, I would say. And that whole ugly situation doesn't look great now Mm -hmm. that he didn't end up getting it anyways. It wasn't inevitable that he would, even though they have a fast car because Leclerc has still been in it despite the fact that spencer i think you and i hypothesized that like Charles leclerc died a little bit after the french grand prix when he let out that scream like he's just kind of (laughs) been really low-key since then like that like some like a demon was expelled from his body and he just kind of like slowly like receded from the public a little bit afterwards but yeah he ended up getting second place which i think is great i think You know, if you just look at the first half of the season and you said, okay, but at the end of this year, it's going to be a a Red Bull Ferrari 1-2 finish in the Drivers' Championship. um, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense, actually. It didn't, I didn't think it would be like this. I didn't think it would be as uncompetitive as it was between the one and the two. But I'm, I'm happy for Charles Leclerc because he did have some pretty good races, despite the fact that his own team was sabotaging him. Yeah, about that. (sighs) About that. (laughs) So let's go ahead and talk about Mattia Bonotto. Mattia, uh, the director at Ferrari. Um, There was a report out that he was going to be replaced by Fred Vassar. And 
That was from the Gazetta dello Sport. Right. Which, by the way, Spencer, now that like Twitter is you can pay for a blue check and like, you know, no verified information is fact checkable. Like I saw this on Twitter and I was like, I have at first it's an Italian. No idea. Second, I don't know this newspaper. Third is coming from Twitter. I have absolutely no idea what this thing is and if it's reputable or not. But yes, mm-hmm. continue. I'm sorry for that interruption. Yeah, which to, to follow up <laughs> to follow up on your point, the foreign standards for what is a source and how well sourced it may be are not necessarily the American court tested three sources and the truth. It's not always that. So you'll get a lot of stuff free firing and like, you know, the Gazetto del Sport, um, which might be respected, but still you'll get some stuff that, that just flies out and you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt, which is kind of what a good PR person would say and shouts out mm. to the good PR people at Ferrari. Who put a Fred grain Mas- of semolina. Mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I don't know um, what I'm doing. <laughs> it's a relief. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Uh, Fred Vassar, uh, I won't say, he then said this, which again, fantastic work in public relations and public theater here. Fred Vassar said, I won't say anything. You'll find out soon enough. That makes it worse. (laughs) What? Like, (laughs) you would just, like, you would just deny it if it weren't true. Obviously, right? (laughs) What do you think? I don't know. (laughs) Right? Like, think about any important question you have for anyone in your life, right? Think Mm -hmm. about, like, hey, what did you do with my money? Did you steal it? Right? (laughs) You don't say, you don't say, well, you'll find out soon enough. (laughs) (laughs) The police are questioning me for a crime and asking me if I did it. And I say, well, you'll find out (laughs) soon enough. That's a villain answer. That's a super villain answer. <laughs> okay, so as of as of the publication of this podcast, whenever that will be, do we know if Mattia Bonotto is leaving? If this was actually his final race as team principal? At the moment, this is my favorite <laughs> my favorite thing. Mattia Bonotto, uh, according to Reuters, is relaxed. <laughs> Also kind of a weird one. I wish I had this much money. I actually don't know what that means. That might be that actually might be a really good thing to say. It means I, you're it means you're European and you have money. When somebody's like, "Hey, do you, do you know if you're going to be fired?" they're like, "I'm very relaxed right now." <laughs> so relaxed. Truly uh, good for him either way. I mean, it's one of those things where like we see it in in other sports too where people see something failing spectacularly to a degree in which you're like, someone has to get fired, right? So Mm -hmm. it would make sense that you would lose your job over some of the foibles of this past season. I don't know if that means you change your chief strategist or the head of your team or whoever, but it's like fans want to see heads roll when things fail as spectacularly as they have for Ferrari this past entire season. So I guess we'll find out next season and we'll wait and see. But I, I'm glad he's relaxed. I'm glad that this is a, a nice, fun, relaxing time for him because, well, you know. This is nice would... because Mattia, Mattia is just setting the tone for all of us, right? Do you care? You should not. I am relaxed. I am very <laughs> relaxed. Mattia Bonotto 
approaching being fired with the same uh, attitude that one has of like having a terminal disease. I'm resting comfortably. It's mm. fine. Yeah. I am with my family. We will go on holiday. We're going to go beautiful. on holiday. I mean, everyone's going on holiday now. Yeah. Because the season's over. So, all right. Well, that's it for Ferrari, I guess. Kind of a <laughs> a really meh season. I'm glad, I'm glad they had like one final race where they put things together for Charles Leclerc. But other than that, let, let me see. Wait. Uh, Carlos finished in fifth place behind George Russell. So the, the final standings for the Drivers' Championship are Verstappen, Leclerc, Perez, Russell, Carlos Sainz, Lewis Hamilton, Baby Lando, Esteban Ocon, Fernando Alonso, and Valtteri Bottas at 10th. And then, you know, Daniel Ricciardo at 11th and the rest of the field behind him. So two and five, not bad for Ferrari, but not the championship race season that I think we expected after like four races when it looked like Red Bull was the unreliable car and Ferrari was figuring things out pretty quickly. Figuring out things rapidly, it was... It was wild to me that after after a month, we thought this is this. They finally did it. They they put it together, and then after two months, um, the thought was uh, there's absolutely no way that this team can make an omelet, much less <laughs> you know that like these are drivers who live to be sabotaged by the insane decisions of their managers which you know like for those who work are work a day folks in the corporate world relatable no team mm-hmm. more relatable than ferrari do we think their espresso machine broke or something i think that would probably explain a lot of things <laughs> if they had just been like a little low on caffeine yeah, it would explain why Bonotto's so relaxed, too, because I definitely don't feel relaxed after I've drinking an espresso, but I'm also, you know, not a real Italian. I'm just an Italian-American. So I don't know, Spencer. We should probably talk about Sebastian Vettel. It was his final, air quotes, final. We don't know race in Formula One. He had a lot of things to say to race control about their strategy. I love him kind of mm-hmm. chewing them out over the radio on his final lap of his yeah. final F1 race and just being like, hey, I just want everyone to know, like, this isn't my fault. These guys are idiots and they have the strategy completely <laughs> wrong. I don't even know how they got it this wrong. It doesn't seem possible to get it this wrong. But My favorite question is always, is always, how did we get this that wrong? <laughs> like, that's the ultimate, like, excuse me, excuse me, guy in the car. How did we get this so wrong? That's right. bringing you in here with me. Yes. I, I like the using the we when it's an obvious, like, you problem. Like, hey, boyfriend, how did we let the kitchen get so messy when it's obviously, like, he was the one cooking mm-hmm. and made the mess? But you do the we to soften it so it doesn't seem as accusatory. But mm-hmm. reading between the we is the you. Like, why did you, how did you fuck this up so bad? And I like when I like when people do that when they're managing up to people that should be doing their jobs correctly. It's a it's a good strategy, good tactic. I mean, let's also remind everybody that that this thirty five year old man with the long hair and the chill attitude and the focus on things that, in his words, are bigger than the sport, um, was not always that person. I enjoyed seeing a little bit of Aggie aggro. <laughs> Sebastian Vettel peek out because this is someone who has been doing this his whole life. I'm pretty sure that he got into a cart when he the like the minute that he could walk. Mm-hmm. And this is a dude who is a champion and was an intense 
competitor before he entered this kind of, you know, grandfatherly, cheerful, generally like very balanced person. This is a luxury. That's a luxury because Sebastian Vettel, uh, Sebastian Vettel was not always this dude. He was he was a hard charger, super intense, and the kind of person who would chew out his crew over the radio. And as we can see, this is still, still kind of that dude. Yeah, I mean, I, I liked his his post uh, race interview with Jensen Button. Where I mean, at first he was like, "I have nothing to say. Like I'm I'm spent." But then he he was like, "You know, the last few years." have been important for me in realizing that there's things bigger than racing. And and he kind of spoke to that, like, I think since 2020, joining Aston Martin, not being on, you know, Ferrari anymore and COVID and all of these things happening in the world, he like really kind of took that to heart and decided to do more with his career than just be a driver. And that's something that you can only do, I think, when you've had the career he's had and like the respect that he has, he's not, he's not racing for his seat every year anymore. Like he's just able to have fun and, and like send messages when he wants to, which is a cool place to be. And now he's unfortunately not going to be on the grid anymore, but hopefully we'll still see him around um, because I do think he has a really positive impact on the sport in general and what he brings to the table. Speaking of the table, um, we do need to talk about one of the most important pieces of content to come out of this Grand Prix weekend, which Mm -hmm. is the all driver dinner in Abu Dhabi that uh, allegedly Lewis Hamilton set up and hosted and paid for. And according to Martin Brundle during qualifying paid 140,000 Euro for the 20 drivers to eat at this meal. So, what what were your thoughts when you saw all of the pictures? It reminded me a lot of like the NFL uh, meet, winter meetings where the coaches all like take an awkward photo together. It was a little bit like that because these guys don't like hang out like this, especially not all 20 of them at once without like publicists sitting next to them. So what, what were your thoughts about that? Uh, that one, it had to be awkward because... <laughs> yeah. Because they don't get to do this, and also that um, these dudes are highly specialized. When you're dealing with uh, extremely specialized people, sometimes you get uh, very awkward results in terms of social skills. That had to be very awkward. I think that once Lewis was paying, um, I want to know which driver was like, "Oh, oh, we're getting the steak. We're getting, we're getting. This is Abu Dhabi, and Lewis is paying. I'm getting the steak that was grown from a cow raised on the moon. They, they don't. I don't. I don't think many of these drivers drink alcohol. At least not like during like a couple nights before a race. Yeah. So for it to be a hundred and forty thousand euros without like a twenty thousand dollar bottle of champagne, I, that's a lot of money to me. I think it helps that the one drinker there is probably just sticking to beer. Hi, Daniel. Yeah. Ricardo. Hi. <laughs> You know, go <laughs> okay, that was my, Spencer. This is my other thing. So, so F1 posted a seating chart, and Daniel Ricardo is at the end of the table. To me, he's a middle table seat. Oh, like you have to put him in the in the middle. You can't put Nicholas Latifi in the middle of the table. It has to be Daniel Ricardo. Hmm. Well, that is not what Lewis thought, and that is a curious <laughs> thing to explore on its own. That Lewis said. Basically, he put Daniel Ricardo as close to the kids' table as he could. 
There's that no is kids' true. table, but he, he put that, him way at the end. He's next to Zhou Guanyu, Yuki Sonoda, Pierre Gasly, and Lando Norris. Like that, the, that, that's the, the kids' table. The four dri- other youngest drivers on the grid. I think other than maybe George Russell and Alex Albon. That's the kids' quarter. Yeah. That's what that is. That's the little containment area. I think the Max Verstappen side of the table also is interesting because it's Ocon, uh, Lance Stroll, and then the two Haas drivers. <laughs> like he didn't, he was, sat nowhere near Sergio Perez, who you'd think, you know, up b- before last weekend, you'd think he'd probably feel the most comfortable sitting by. I don't know. I, someone put in the chat, do you think they had assigned seating? That is a great question that I've, I've been thinking about a lot the last few nights. Like, Spencer, you seem to think Lewis Hamilton sat them. Oh, please. Yeah. How coordinated and together is Lewis Hamilton about everything? Look at the man's <laughs> outfits. Look at the way he conducts his business and tell me there was not a seating chart. I guarantee you there was a seating chart. And if not an explicit seating chart, then suggestions of, well, why don't you sit here? Why, why don't you sit here? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, and honestly, like for most people, if you're, if you're Yuki Sonoda and Lewis Hamilton walks up and goes, Hey, Yuki, I think you should sit right there. Yuki's probably going to go, it's a good idea, Lewis. <laughs> I'm going to sit there. I wanted to go through a, a series of restaurants, by the way, where they could have mm. spent less than, uh, what was it, 140,000 euro? Apparently, yeah, according to Brundle. Mm-hmm. Okay, a list of restaurants in Abu Dhabi that exist to real and are currently open that they could have eaten at. They could have eaten at the Hardee's in Abu Dhabi. What? Yes. I thought you were going to say, like, Hard Rock Cafe, and I was like, oh, that makes sense, but Hardee's. Mm-hmm. They could have like, eaten. Whoa, 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 hold on. Like, the chain restaurant that the South Carolina Clemson Trophy used to be modeled after, that mm-hmm. Hardee's? That is correct. And Schutz, by the way, the South Carolina Clemson Trophy that should still be modeled after a Hardee's. I mean. Stay, stay true to your roots. Fair. Fair. I like the new trophy, but go on. The other thing, the other place that they could have eaten, there are several other quality options that would have been I think much less expensive and easier on the wallet. There is a Popeyes. Okay. Uh, that uh, is has 2.8 stars, which um, I will say this. It must be good because it only has 2.8 <laughs> stars. That reminds me of when I had a French exchange student once. And I we my sister and I took her to Chipotle. And this was like in 2008 or nine. And we were like, oh, you have to try Chipotle. It's so good. And she left and was like, I do not like this place. It is way too spicy. And we were like, it's literally <laughs> Chipotle. She could not tolerate the heat. So I don't know if I don't know if Popeyes would work out for many of the drivers on the grid. It seems like mm. a group with sensitive tummies. Y- Yuki would Yuki would dominate it. I feel pretty confident. Um, you know, because the man. The man likes Gasly snacks. would be Gasly. Let's put it that way. He's French. He would. He'd be like, oh, "This is so spicy," and you'd be like, "That's black pepper. <laughs> That's black right. pepper, my dude." What is all this oil? I yeah. want butter on my chicken. Or, or, they could have gone to Abu Dhabi's hottest chicken finger joint. That's right, Raisin Canes. They could have gone to Raisin Canes. <laughs> there's a Raisin Canes in Abu Dhabi. There is. There is, and there's some nice table seating. They could have just gotten all of the drivers there. I think Lewis probably would have been out like 300 bucks if everyone went super nuts. <laughs> wow. I Those are the last three. I mean, Popeyes, I think I could have guessed. Mm-hmm. Hardee's and Raisin Cane's, like those are obscure even among certain groups of Americans, I think. Yeah. Like Hardee's is super regional. Hardee's is super regional. Raisin Cane's is super regional to college campuses. <laughs> this is This is me making an argument that Abu Dhabi 
like a little corner of uh, a little corner of southern Arkansas. Wow. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to I wanted to ask you, like, if I had to give you, um, if I had to give you the driver, like you know, people in these end of year shows usually go, oh well, who was most improved? Who was the mm-hmm. you know most important? Dri- I, I don't know. They got a list for that, man. Look, there's right. there's points. Who was the driver that you personally followed this year and thought this was the most compelling story? Like funny, frustrating, whatever it was. Who was the person that you sort of had to follow every week? That's a a good question. I mean, I think of the better drivers. I've enjoyed wa- I've enjoyed watching the best lad George. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. quite a slip of the tongue. The best lad George Russell. I mean, he it was his first year at Mercedes. I kind of was unsure how he would do Mm -hmm. with the car being not as good as it really was expected to be to start the year and he's just like the first half of the season he was like steady eddie just doing really well he was very earnest and like also he's kind of funny and charming at the same time like i we didn't really talk about on this podcast his his commentary about um the meme with mm-hmm. the looking out the window meme, which like was maybe one of my top three favorite uh, F1 things of, of the entire year. Mm-hmm. But I enjoyed watching him race. Like I thought he did a really good job. He's, but he's definitely not the most like interesting driver, which is why it's a difficult question. I think, can I flip it back to you and ask you? Well, I have, it, it, this is interesting because I have, I have a similar answer oh. in, in terms of character because yeah, I th- I think it was fascinating watching watching George develop, and there were uh, because he went from being someone who I think was confident but pretty sedate in terms of where he was to asserting himself more, um, you know, both on the track and off the track at Mercedes. You know, getting his first win and saying, you know, hey, this is the first of you know the first mm-hmm. of many to come. I mm-hmm. think that's that's a good look into psychologically where he thinks he belongs you know he thinks he should be podium top five ultimately winning championships which is what mercedes hired him to do so like hey good on you this is this is an amazing development curve it's been beautiful to see um i even enjoyed when he went dark george when he Mm -hmm. became uh the most vicious lad went a little crazy for a week but then he kind of came back got his elbows out yeah got his elbows out that's what and, they say. but that's not the story to me that has been like the one that i keep coming back to charles leclerc charles leclerc to me is somebody who i had to watch try to like like avoid failing somebody mm-hmm. who really confronted a failure that he could not control and that mm-hmm. to me is and how he handled that and how i, I think he persevered while being put in the most ironic position in F1, which is at the helm <laughs> of a perfect machine run by deeply imperfect individuals. That mm-hmm. that to me was the thing that race after race, when you go, well, what am I watching? I'm like, I don't know if this makes me a bad person, but I'm going to sit here and tune in to see what they do to Charles Leclerc today. Like right. what fate, what banana gets put in the tailpipe today? <laughs> Yeah, we we watched a lot of like Charles Leclerc overcoming things that were out of his control this season, which always makes for a good storyline because it's like the adversity created by his own team members that he still has to rely on to not, you know, 
do something even worse the following weekend, right? Like you have mm -hmm. to really trust those people and your teammates and the engineers and the strategists every week, even after they've broken your trust mm -hmm. so many times in like these publicly humiliating ways. So I think that that's a great answer without being like sounding too Mercedes Homer. I think Lewis Hamilton, you can kind of talk about him in the same light. Like last year after Abu Dhabi, many people speculated he wouldn't even come back to Formula One. He like took a three-month social media hiatus and there was just like so much speculation about how he would rebound mentally from that um and I thought he did I think over the season he you could kind of see it happen in real time like I think he was pretty insecure the first few races and this the car was really bad and he was working as hard as he could to help them fix it and finally like midway through the season things got better for Mercedes and they did make improvements and and like he he had to watch his younger teammate plays better than him a lot of weeks in a row and I'm sure that that was very concerning and made him even more doubtful about his own career but I think now like the last couple of weeks he's been way more confident and like yeah I'm coming back I want to win another championship and like I still want to do this so I think that's been kind of interesting to watch play out too because he just had such a strange offseason compared to the other drivers who all knew yeah. they were coming into what to expect coming into this season. And he, I don't know, I still don't know what he did between December and March of 2021 and 2022. He was like zero dark 30 or whatever LeBron calls it, mm -hmm. um, which is strange when you're an incredibly famous person. Somebody should see you. Right. The, the, exactly. Like, like where where are the tabloids? Not that I want them to like, you know, I just finished season five of The Crown, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I don't because I don't watch The Crown. Is um, is that is that the show about uh, the, the very short British people mm -hmm. who don't have jobs? No, that's Drive to Survive. <laughs> yes. <that's, laughs> there's only there's only one of them. <laughs> two of two of them. Three of them. I don't know. Um, I'm not going to count British people in F1 if I do. I'm going to be doing this for quite a while. Um, I would, I would also say this: that the driver who I thought had the best year in terms of ending up in a better place, ending up with better expectations, and just having an overall kind of like great uh, reset, readjust, start over. Man, my boy Valtteri, Valtteri, yeah. he's thriving, man. You saw, you see that mustache, right? Uh huh. He's having a, a transformation. I think you're absolutely right. Like, he's not under Lewis Hamilton's shadow anymore. And, like, granted, I'm sure it's been frustrating with all the retirements and mechanical issues he's had to deal with that. He probably didn't have to deal with as much at Mercedes. Certainly didn't finish on any podiums this season. But I'm with you. It just I, it feels like a good place to be racing for a team that isn't going to get as much as attention mm -hmm. and you can still mountain bike on the weekends with your girlfriend in Colorado and grow a mustache and drink fancy coffee and be rich. It's very, very good coffee. Yes. <laughs> as we did with close personal friend of DNF, yes. Valtteri Baltas. I hope he comes back. I hope yeah. he comes back on the off season. We were also uh, working on securing an interview with Daniel Ricardo, which now he will probably have more free time on his hands, but well, we will see. The reports are he will be the reserve driver for Red Bull next year, which I think is a PR masterclass by Christian Horner because it mm -hmm. takes so much pressure off of Checo and Max to have a personality like Ricardo in the garage. 
at the same time, do we think that Max and Checo will get a little jealous of how much attention will be on their reserve driver next season mm-hmm. and that that might wrinkle them a little bit? Um, I think for uh, I, I think for either Max or Checo, they will only mind that if uh, he's literally like if a photographer is standing in the way of them getting from like, you know, one <laughs> wrench to another. That's like Mac. I think we've seen the the deal with Max is that Max is 100% racing and that he's this automaton who's just, I am doing the GQ shoot. Take picture of me. I am now back in car where I am happy and alive. I also loved uh, that Christian Horner was doing an interview with Sky today. I was like, well, that boycott really, really showed them. (laughs) It was like one week. (laughs) This is, this is like when I say I'm not going to use Twitter. That's a lie. That's, that's just a I lie. Wouldn't even pretend to say such a thing. Because I'll be back not. in three minutes. Yes, that's an absolute lie. And Literally, I'm on it. it on two devices right now. Just yeah. Just so it's, everyone knows. Yeah, it's <laughs> like yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to tweet. Yeah, I'm going to read it. That's yeah. Like Christian Horner. Christian Horner can't pass a mirror without having a discussion. Yeah. All right. That's that's nah nah. Before we sign off, uh, the chat, as always, is open to questions. But, Spencer, I wanted to ask if you saw Max Verstappen's interview with um, with Sky before the race where he said he signed with Red Bull until 2028 because after 2028 he might retire. Was this him, like, doing a, an Aaron Donald or, like, a college football head coach where he's like, yeah, 2028, that's when I want my really big extension. So that's why I didn't sign a longer contract. I, I never I, in F1 I really don't believe like the longer contract is ever the thing it's an inherently unstable sport in this sense that if you have two drivers on a team right if you have two drivers on a team one of them will always be gunning for the other like F1 is an illustration of why the Star Wars universe would never work as an organizational thing because remember the Sith there's always two right there's the rule of two you have the guy who's going to cut your head off and you have the guy who cuts heads like that's that's it and that's inherently unstable so um my that's a long way of me saying i, I don't know man <laughs> it just it's so it's it to me like the idea that there is so much money at stake and very few people are ever really secure in anything they do like we've even had the discussion this year in theory where you go Hey man, like what's the end game on Lewis Hamilton going to be? That's ridiculous. Like you have to have that discussion, but the sport is so cutthroat and so aggressive that that you take guys like, you know, Sebastian Vettel or Fernando Alonso who are older but still very much capable of doing the job and, you know, you push them down to Aston Martin. That's that's bonkers. We also should mention this was Haas's uh, best finish in the constructors standing since like 2018, I want to say, which is to say that they finished third from last in eighth place with 37 points, but they finished above Alpha Tori and Williams. So yeah. shout out Haas giving me strong 2022 Vanderbilt football vibes this season. No, yeah. no offense to you, Spencer. Oh, hey, no, no, no. That's the, the, <laughs> they had a great game. Good for them. I'm glad someone I'm glad someone had a good day. <laughs> All right, we have a question from the chat. Uh, at the driver dinner, who gave the toast, and what did they say? Well, it wasn't Valtteri, because he's Finnish, and he's not going to talk if he doesn't have to. Um, <laughs> that's, that's not going to happen, man. Um, 
I, I think you know what I, I think the guy who gave the toast was Lewis. Lewis seems like a toast guy. Doesn't he does. He? Yeah, he does. He well, he's very soft spoken, but he also seems like the one to like want to make sure everyone knows how meaningful something is. Correct. Correct. At all times. I also think Sebastian Vettel probably gave one too. Oh, absolutely. But but yeah. but like to to me, uh, like Lewis is the kind of guy who has been through so much therapy and has so much coaching that he's the kind of person who walks into a room and says, "What's our intent? Right. What's our right? How what's our how meaningful are we going to make this? So yeah, I I absolutely yeah. see that. He tells people how much he appreciates them a lot. Right. Right. And it's weird. It's a little <laughs> weird. Like okay. I like thank you, but that yes. was a little intense, Lewis. You right, exactly. Th- th- thanks. Oh yeah, I I appreciate you too, man. Yeah, man. I'm <laughs> just trying, I'm just trying to get to the coffee. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> what was the most improved team based on your beginning of the year expectations? I mean, I talked. We talked a little bit about it with drivers, not so much in an improving, but in like surprising and and like interest levels, but. Um, I don't know. All right. Ferrari, I guess. <laughs> it, it, it's almost easier. It's almost easier to say who it isn't. Yeah, than, than who exactly. It is. Um, I think if you look at, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'll say it. Shouts out to Haas gang. Haas. Yeah. Maybe Haas. it's Haas. Maybe it's Haas with with one and a half like good drivers or competent drivers, I should say. Yeah. Haas. I'll go ahead and, and we'll, we'll I'll go ahead and Haas. hand it to uh, to Gunther. You know why? My expectations were rock bottom, and they exceeded but, them by but holy two. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, they exceeded them by two places. So, well done. I think that whole mid rank, like like Aston Martin and Alpha, both, I think, were far more competitive at times. Like my indication of whether you've exceeded expectations is whether I have to talk about you when I didn't think I was going to have to talk about you. Yeah. And both, and at times, both Aston and Alpha, you go, ah. Which is good, nice job, guys. Yeah, I mean, I think if Alpine didn't have so many issues, like they had a, a few mechanical issues, but they also had like driver issues. Uh-huh. Like they kept getting in their own way the entire season. I think they still they still ended up finishing fourth behind Mercedes by edging out McLaren by like ten points. But they're basically going up against one McLaren driver because Daniel Ricciardo finished out of the points so often that like it wasn't. You know, that that was their advantage. It wasn't really because they were doing anything that much better. They just kept getting in their, their own ways, and McLaren just didn't have a second driver to to score very many points. So yeah, I guess like I wouldn't say wouldn't say either of those teams. Maybe maybe Haas is the right answer for that one. I can't, I can't, I'm gonna take one here. <laughs> Which race day rules should be changed? Bring back refueling question mark. <laughs> oh god, no. No. I don't <laughs> I don't want fire to be part of this. I really, really don't. Definitely you know? not. I, I do have a I do have an idea. Might not for race day, but qualifying, which I'm uh, I'm taking from another podcast, Mixed Apex podcast. They were talking about in I can't remember. It might be an IndyCar. If you screw up at if you screw up during qualifying, you get your fastest lap time deleted. So mm-hmm. essentially, if you're in first place in qualifying and you crack crash out you get your fastest lap time deleted. So it disincentivizes you from doing anything that might cause a crash. So what happened in Monaco with Perez crashing wouldn't happen. There would be a a big disincentivized disincentivization to do anything stupid in qualifying to preserve your fast lap time. Mm-hmm. That I think would probably be a good, good one to bring into F1. I could go with that. I, I will just, I just want to, 
go ahead and say don't bring back refueling if you've ever seen if you've ever seen a pit crew member <laughs> on fire you don't want that yeah no I, I know i don't want i i don't even want to pump my own gas let alone watch people do it going like 100 miles an hour absolutely in a pit lane can i let me put it this way do you want to give ferrari the danger of fire to go with everything else that could go wrong in a ferrari pit stop <laughs> okay you're with me you're on Ooh. the same page did we do like our favorite fuck up of the year? Mine was when um, so I, I think it was Sergio Perez drove over the screw gun. That was like my favorite, like little, like dumb thing of the entire season. Do you have a favorite dumb moment? Um, I do, I do. It's the it's the pit pit. Don't pit. Wait, no. Like that's <laughs> like watching. Oh, it was so good. Mm hmm. Just watching. I think that that was that was that the race that broke Leclerc. The. <laughs> Honestly, if it wasn't, and he, that happened in two separate days, like, God bless this man. I yeah. hope he has a long, restful offseason. All of these races, like, jumbled together in my brain. But, yeah, the French Grand Prix, oof. That was yeah. Close. So uh, a couple of a couple of other... Spicy uh, bully base. A couple of other rapid-fire ones before we uh, conclude the f festivities today and get to the champagne. Um, let's see. Would either one of you be able to do one lap in an F1 car? I can't fit one. <laughs> I can't like I can't. I think like I'm I'm about 235 pounds right now. There's no way I'm getting in that car. Can I drive an F1 car? No. I was watching Sebastian Vettel do donuts, and I was like, literally, ha like, if you put me in one of those cars and said do a donut, mm -hmm. my I would have a absolute meltdown okay. trying to figure the mechanics of that out. There's no way. Real quick, Jessica, do you have an Xbox or a PlayStation in your house? I do have a PlayStation. Okay. Go get the F1 game. Done by I have code. it. Okay. It's so hard. I can't put even it, play the game. Put it on max difficulty. You cannot, which is I, basically a simulator. Yes. You cannot get out of the garage. You it's cannot. so hard. I No, I, this game has caused so many arguments in my household because mm -hmm. my boyfriend got it like last year, maybe, I don't know. He got it a while ago and he was like really bad at it and- I kept making fun of him for being bad at it. And then he's like, all right, fine, like, try. And so I tried it, and yeah. I was just cursing the entire time. And he was laughing at me, and it, it's caused a lot of fights. We, actually, neither of us has played it in a few months because it's just not a good thing to bring up in this household anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 rough. Codemasters makes great games. I love the entire Dirt series. The Rally series is immaculate. Frankly, the F1 game is very accurate according to everyone who's played it who actually has some racing experience. However, that means it's hard. It's This is all very, very difficult. So hard. Shouts out to even the lowest driver on the totem pole because following the Brian Scalabrini rule from the NBA, every single one of these people could absolutely waste your ass in a race car easily yeah. easily even, even nicholas gotifi it, it listen latifi i talked to like latifi's coach like his driving coach and they're like yeah man latifi's a great driver it's just not working <laughs> i just love when it's one of these races where every, everything's kind of just like happening around him and he's just going really slow in the back of the pack and he's just like do 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 i'm just trying to keep my nose out of trouble those are my favorite Latifi races. And then he still gets in an incident with Mick Schumacher anyways, because he's going too slow. But uh, that's what I would be doing. I would be going as slow as when you get on, as you, like when you accidentally merge onto the expressway and you stay in the right lane and just go like 50 until the next exit. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's my driving style. Oh, by, by the way, I love doing this because they don't think we look in the chat. Uh, Remo G0915 is saying like, no, man, the biggest drivers don't touch it. Did we say the F1 drivers actually fucking use the F1 sim like game as a simulator? No, we didn't. No, we didn't. Absolutely ridiculous. No. My my favorite was a tweet that someone sent us last week about the Max Verstappen. And so I guess we said after the Austin race that like Team Red Bull had had no I guess we were just saying that they're kind of boring. Like both of the drivers are just driving machines. And then a week later, obviously, all this shit hit the fan with Red Bull and some guy called us out. And I was just like, Yeah, well, we have new information now. So mm -hmm. mm, our opinions have changed. Yeah. Sometimes it just happens. <laughs> yeah, that's it. the uh, last question that I would like to address in all of this. Uh, which team should get a Kane sponsorship? That's right. The mm. only one with American roots, Haas. Haas. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I was going to say Kane's like Miami Hurricanes. And then you got to go Williams because they can't score points. Yeah, um, that I believe brings us to a wrap for a DNF for today. I have really enjoyed this season. I look forward to doing it again. Somebody was like, are you guys going to do this again? Yeah, me too. One way or another, we're going to do this again. This was a delight. Uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for coming along on this uh, adventure with us. I am Spencer Hall. This has been Jessica Smetana. Where can, where can they find you, by the way, if um, they want to keep up with you? On the Twitters, uh, The Levitard Show, Off the Looking Glass, Golik and Smetty. Jessica underscore Smetana or Jessica Smetana on Instagram if Twitter is gone by the time this gets published. Spencer, I've enjoyed doing this with you also this season. We're, we have like a few things potentially in the works for the off season. We really want to do more of those driver interviews. Um, might be hard now that they're all going to be on like Swiss holiday, but hopefully if you're, if you're subscribed to DNF, You'll see it pop up in your feed. So if there's any surprise bonus content between now and March, you will get it. Even if it's just Spencer and I reading a Wikipedia page for one of the many F1 scandals in history. Um, that could be fun, too. Yeah, that'll be enjoyable. You can find me uh, at the Channel 6 newsletter, where I do sometimes occasionally write about F1, as well as college football, hangover sandwiches, whatever else uh, you care to read about. We do twice a week with... My partner, Holly Anderson. Additionally, you can find me uh, on Twitter at EDSBS. Uh, you can listen to the Shutdown Fullcast, where we occasionally talk about college football, but mostly about a lot of other garbage. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I've got a college football show, too, on the SEC Network on Mondays. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of stuff. <laughs> but yeah, follow me on there. I've got a link tree in the description on my Twitter, which is the best way to do this. Don't follow me on Instagram. I only like take pictures of Warhammer shit. <laughs> well, thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you in the next episode, whenever that is. All right. Thanks y'all. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.